Chase Evans, running back with the Arizona Cardinals, and you're listening to Fantasy Whispers Podcast. Make sure you guys tune in so you can get the scoop on the best moves for your fantasy team. These guys got great information. Help you win out on your team, man. Go Bird Gang. Yes, we're back again. We're back again. Here let's pump up the volume. Right here. What's up, Whisper Nation? It's Tuesday, July 30th, and you're listening to episode 70 of the Fantasy Whispers with your host, Johnny Game Time Hicks, and I'm Big Travi. If you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at TF Whispers. You can also find us on YouTube and Instagram at the Fantasy Whispers, and you should definitely visit the website, thefantasywhispers.com. Of course, we got articles, latest episodes, rankings. But most importantly, we now have our fully loaded 2019 fantasy football draft kit and our Patreon account is live. There's links to that as well. And of course, if you want some of this swag, check out this hat I'm rocking here. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can get hats, shirts, mugs, koozies, whatever you want over at the fantasywhispers.com. We got our shop up and running. So welcome in Whisper Nation. So good to be back with you, Johnny. We're jumping into the NFC West today as we were previewed a little bit by our boy out of your backyard at the top of the show here, Chase Edmonds. Yeah, man. Super excited. That was awesome uh, having him give us a shout out there. That was really cool. Super excited for this show, though. Uh, NFC West is something that, you know, obviously I pay close attention to just because the Cardinals are my team my home team but uh and then they're not only that but they're your home one of your favorite home teams i should say at the la rams uh so th- this is fun we we probably know these teams a little bit um more in depth than any other section no yeah. I, I wouldn't say yeah, that well, maybe i wouldn't go that far but yeah. we definitely have a, a kinder eye looking at, at some of these teams in this division and it's just a fun division if we're being honest yeah. right now about what's going on in this division it's one of the more fun ones to talk about so i'm really excited to talk about it uh you know well so johnny i i i, I before yeah, we go jump ahead. in here travis i got you know i gotta do it i gotta give a shout out this is this is the start of shark week travis I don't know if you like watching that though the Shark Week. I I grew up loving Shark Week, and uh, so I get drawn into it like a tractor beam. You know, sucks me right in. I can't. Well, I can't do What's it. your favorite shark? Uh, I would probably have to say, dude. There's something so fascinating about the great white shark uh, that is is really really cool. But I got to give a shout out to hammerhead sharks. Those things are just wild looking. So I'm just naturally I'm like that thing is gotta cool. give a shout out to Hammerhead Sharks like as if they're listening to the podcast. Also, when well, I mean, you never know with technology these <laughs> days, and you know their disposable income in that ocean. Who's not to say that they don't listen to podcasts, dude? Also, also, when I was in Florida, I went fishing and I caught a hammerhead shark. It was it was really we released it. it we we threw it back but it was such a cool experience uh i love sharks man they're just so interesting yeah sharks are definitely interesting they're straight uh you know dominant top of the food chain pretty much uh especially the great white sharks Mm -hmm. um 
But talking about the Los Angeles Rams, they were nearly the top of the food chain last year, Johnny, uh, until they got you know kind of bar- embarrassed, shut down in the Super Bowl by the, the by the New England Patriots. Wait, so we you're really talk- going to call that the Super Bowl? Because man, yeah, that was that was, was terrible. It was, man. It was, it was embarrassing. That's for sure. <laughs> um, uh, listen, uh, you. It's hard not to be excited about the Rams here. They've got a lot of talent on the squad, but there are some things that got us a little bit questioned here. And so, Johnny, I'm going to let you kick this off. What is your biggest storyline? Your biggest piece of uh, information you're going to be watching closely as these training camps keep waging on. So for me, it's the wide receiver core. And I know that we already know that they're all going to be very, very valuable, but they're all going around the same area in the, in the redraft leagues, Travis cooks, four Oh six woods, four Oh eight and Cooper cup is five Oh three. So if you can nail the right one and get the what would presumably be the one a on an explosive offense uh, because they're all so such in that same cluster of value. I think that there's a huge advantage. So what I'm looking for, I, I, I have right now projected Robert Woods actually as the emerging one a here, um, but I'm keeping a close eye on Cooper Cup. Uh, He avoided the PUP list to start camp, which is great news, Um, but he could be a little bit slower to come back to start this season. So he might be a guy that I would be willing to trade for a little bit later. So I've kind of hindered him or or dropped him down a little bit in my in my redraft, uh, you know, rankings. But so I'm going to be looking at how is Woods, is he really looking like he's trying to step up and take that next step as the number one wide receiver on a very potent offense? Or is that connection becoming a little bit more uh, with Brandon Cooks? Uh, Because if Brandon Cooks can develop a relationship without Cooper Cup there, uh, we've seen the numbers between Cooper Cup and Brandon Cooks uh, when they're on the field and, and when they're off the field. And Brandon Cooks is a better receiver when Cooper Cup is all, on the field. So if yeah, he, oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's not. It's kind of funny you mentioned that because Cup kind of does a lot of good things for everybody in the offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cooks is one. Jared Goff is somebody who, you know, in those 24 games that he's played with Cooper Cup, he averages 279 yards and 1.9 touchdowns. You know, he's played 11 games without Cooper Cup. And he averages 250 yards only and 1.45 touchdowns. So he drastically go, drastically goes down. And so, you know, to Johnny's point here about talking about the wide receivers and how it shakes out Cooper Cup's return, it really means a big thing for everybody in the offense here, and not just for the wide receivers themselves. I really like that too, Johnny. I'm I'm really going to be watching here because Woods. I like that you have Woods ranked above Cooks here. If people actually look at what Woods does, he's a great blocker. He's great with the ball in his hands. He's just a better all-around wide receiver uh, for this offense, for for the scheme that we're doing. Uh, so it's it's kind of interesting. And he, and he balled out last year. So we're, we're you know big fans of Woods. And I think that he in this offense, especially if we see something happen with Todd Gurley and the offense needs to rely more on the passing game, you could be looking at some great value from all three of these guys if you're able to scoop up one. Yeah, for sure. All right, Travis, um, I, I know you have a little bit a different area of the field that you're looking at as far as yeah into training camp. What tell I don't know if you've heard is. of this storyline um, at all. I don't know if you've you've been listening at all, but Todd it. Gurley's knee oh. uh, is actually a pretty big storyline coming <laughs> out of L.A. Um, no, but all kidding aside, I think Malcolm Brown is a guy that's basically going you know, pretty late in drafts, basically free 
Uh, and I think that's kind of uh, something to keep an eye on because I know, you know, right now what's happened with Daryl Henderson and is his ADP has gone way too high and, and he's just being drafted a little bit too high. Um, and I think we may have overreacted just a little bit here on Daryl Henderson. Not that I don't love Daryl Henderson. I mean, Johnny Whisper Nation knows Daryl Henderson was my favorite running back to come out of this draft class. I've been I've been touting him. Uh, I thought he was a great, great prospect. When I watched the film, he jumped off the page. But I think Malcolm Brown is a guy that's been in the system a little bit longer, actually projects to be of a more three down back uh, than Daryl Henderson does just based on size and based on his repertoire. The only thing I, you know, Malcolm Brown has never seen over 63 carries in a season and he's been that journeyman backup. So uh, just be ready to scoop Malcolm Brown to try and get a piece of that Rams offense, that running game, if anything. It was really interesting because if you follow our mock drafts, Travis can attest to this, that we saw these huge fluctuations with the news with Todd Gurley and exactly how bad it is, you know, supposedly. Um, And then we saw like a spike in Daryl Henderson's value for redraft leagues. And then it went back down. It's starting to go back down a little bit. And Malcolm Brown, meanwhile, this whole time has remained a tremendous value and so if you, you know, if you take Todd Gurley in your drafts or even if you don't, uh, Travis, what are you looking at? You know, what round are you comfortable taking Malcolm Brown and sashing him on your bench? Well, so far I've seen him, you know, in redraft standard leagues. He's been there in like the 13th, the 14th, even the 12th. Uh, I think all of those are decent times to take him. Look, you're taking lottery tickets in that sense anyways. And if you heard us talk about, you know, the AFC East preview, talking about the New England Patriots, the whole thing was take a piece of the Patriots backfield because you get good value if if your piece ends up hitting on a team that's going to rush a ton. And I think the Rams are no different. They're going to be a high-powered run offense that you're going to want a piece of. They're going to live in scoring range because of the effectiveness of that offense. And I think if you get Malcolm Brown in the 13th, 14th, 15th of your draft, and you're sitting there and, and something happens to Gurley and they decide Malcolm Brown's running the ball a little bit better and they want to keep Henderson maybe in that satellite role as the change of pace back, mm-hmm. uh, I think you're sitting there pretty with with Malcolm Brown. Yeah. But moving on here, Johnny, let's talk about the next team. Another exciting team. Maybe a, a bounce-back candidate here for sure with a whole healthy Jimmy Garoppolo this year. That's the San Francisco 49ers. And Johnny, for me, um, I... My biggest thing is, uh, once again, the running back room and who's going to lead this backfield. Because last year, if we combined the 49 running back or 49er running backs, 49 running backs, yeah. they, they kind of seemed pretty, like they had that. Yeah, many. that's pretty accurate going through. <laughs> um, they were picking up guys on the sidewalk. Dude, I thought they were going to sign old Johnny game time there. Hey, first. I, I would have put out my resume if I would, if I didn't have to commute such a long drive. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so. If we combine those 49er running backs last year, they would have gained nearly 1,800 yards and averaged 4.9 per carry at a, as a group. Uh, that's really good efficiency. We've seen what Shanahan does. It's pretty much a, a lock that if he has one guy, he's a top 15 fantasy running back. Uh, that's just kind of the way he runs his system. They're going to use him a lot. McKinnon already landing on the pup list, but even today they have uh, or uh, we just received word that he could come off the pup list uh 
easily. I, I like Coleman to be by the this guy. Thursday, they say, yeah, that's what they're saying. So maybe even by the time you're re- you're listening to this, uh, he's off the pup list. But but it, I really or it could be if depending on when right you are listening. On, yeah. yeah, depending <laughs> on when you're listening to this, is, he could be right no back joke. on there. No joke, huh? Oh. But I just think Tevin Coleman's been a guy I've been targeting a lot. I, he's yeah. a guy that has the history with Kyle Shanahan. And I like Breda late, too, because you're getting good value on Breda. So yeah. if you want to get Coleman and then stack it with Breda so you get a little bit of protection there, I do think we're going to lean to get one guy that gets some of the looks here. And I think it will be Coleman, but just in case. And here's the thing with Coleman. I absolutely love his value right now. And he every year he gets... He's kind of like Melvin, like a a poor man's Melvin Gordon, in that Melvin Gordon always receives hate throughout every draft and ends up slipping, even though he's consistently amongst the best running backs in the league. And the same kind of goes with Tevin Coleman, not of course into that elite status, but just as a running back two or you know a solid running back two. And let's not forget, last year there were a ton of rumors when Kyle Shanahan was over there at the, as the coach, they were looking for running backs. And it was heavily rumored that the 49ers are going to try to trade for Tevin Coleman because he fits the scheme so well. And so why why wouldn't they? Now, I understand that, yeah, they, they paid McKinnon a, a bunch of money for a running back. But here's the thing, like we as we just joked about, McKinnon gets injured all the time. And Tevin Coleman's been pretty you know, pretty solid from the running back position. He's been pretty durable. So if I'm going to take a stab, I, I do agree with Travis. I think it goes Tevin Coleman, and I'm completely comfortable with his ADP. I think that's a, a steal. Uh, and then my second choice would be Burita, and then that would be followed by McKinnon. Who's so. also a steal, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Like, Breda's a steal at the 13th, uh, going to have great value there, and, and especially if you draft Coleman, you're going to want to love to be able to wait and pick up uh, Breda. Exactly. And you got to think that they're going to use this backfield like they used Atlanta's backfield a few years ago. So you had Freeman and Coleman there. So what's to say that this can't be Burita and Tevin Coleman and you're getting Burita like super late. As we say, ADP is 1301 and a half point PPR league right now. That's insane. Yeah, that's that screams value to me, Travis. Screams it screams it. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. But now we're going to move on to the next team that I'm really excited to talk about. I know you're really excited to talk about. You got the hat on. You got David Johnson in the background. You got this might as well be a Cardinal show. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, I'm Travis. I'm going to announce something now. I'm I'm actually (laughs) stepping out. I'm going to start a Cardinals podcast. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. Well, uh, I don't blame you. I I don't think there's been a more fascinating team this offseason than the Arizona Cardinals. A little, it's a little mind-boggling too. Like how I'm trying to rank them out this offseason. It's you can't really get a grip on how you want to project this team because you basically get to throw last year away. They right. are completely different from last year. Uh, completely different head coach. Completely different uh, running game, run style. They should be running here. They got a quarterback, a number one overall pick. They, you know, Josh Rosen's gone. They drafted all these wide receivers. Uh, Pro Football Focus gave them the best graded draft. There is just so much here, Johnny, and I just want to know how good, realistically, can we expect the Cardinals to be? Because if I look at last year, you know, and I know it's hard to to do that, but like they ran 902 plays on average, that was 56.37 plays per game. 
you know, Kingsbury and DJ are out there saying they're going to run 90 plays. I, I think I we know. both know that's not going to happen, no. but 70, I can they get to the good. can they get to the 70 mark? Can they get to the 67 mark like Baltimore, like New England, like Indy, like the Rams? Are do we have trust in all of these moves to really come together here? I know that Johnny, you're going to love all these moves and then think that, but yeah. I I'm just trying to. I don't know if I'm getting a little bit of playing devil's advocate or if I'm just like looking at these rankings and going, can I really legitimately give them this many plays? Uh, I definitely think you can. If you look at what Kingsbury has done in college, now I know this is the NFL game and it's more difficult and things like that, but he was consistently in the top 10, uh, even top five at running plays in all of college. So to come in and think that just because, yes, his offense is an, you know something that we haven't seen before, and so people get scared off of that, but I, you know, Chip Kelly, I, I would hate to compare him to Chip Kelly because I think he's going to be a better uh, NFL coach than Chip Kelly. But Chip Kelly's offense, when it came into the NFL, everyone was doubting that one. And they were up there in plays. They ran 65 oh, yeah. plays a, 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 a game. And that first year, this is the other reason why I'm not so skeptical that the offense won't run so well this year is, is that when you looked at Chip Kelly's offense, People doubted it. People questioned it. And it really did work. That first year, it was really well ran because a lot of people in the NFL were not used to it. They weren't ready. And then what happened, like the second year, it slowed down a little bit more. And the third year, it, it fell off the train. Uh, yeah, I mean, and a lot of that was out. Chip. Well, yeah, and a lot of that was actually Chip and... Kelly becoming a GM and, and doing right. a lot of things to that roster that weren't good. He should have stuck, stayed in his lane and kind of right. did what he did. And you're right. I mean, that's how the NFL kind of works. There's always these shock waves that come through, like, uh, you know, uh, Wildcat, obviously, yeah. some of these things. The read option when it was Colin Kaepernick and Russell Wilson kind of taking the lean by a storm with uh, the read option. Like yep. some of these air raid shades of air raid with uh, Kansas City. Um, I think that they have I think that the Cardinals have a good shot. And then. You know, if you look at their schedule, let me just pull that up here. I think the Cardinals schedule, they have a real good shot at winning, you know, yeah. three out of their four first games. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. Yeah. So I just think they could get off to a hot start and really just dominate the league here. But like for how long and do we think they're going to keep up that pace the entire year? Um, I mean, it, it will slow down at, at times or, you know, maybe towards the end of the season, they won't be because they'll be a little bit more tired. Uh, but overall, it's not making me significantly downgrade the number of plays. I, I think that there's a real shot that we do get at least 70 plays a game. And if not, you know, 75, we might even get some games, depending on the game script, where there is 80. Um, but I think when we look back at the end of the year, it will be a total of uh, around average 70 place per game travis i pulled up the schedule yeah. here yeah so, i just got it as well i mean you got the lions winnable. i think that's a winnable game yeah ravens might be a little tough Panthers. well that uh, seahawks isn't the same so, as it right. was last year so i think the seahawks is a winnable game the Bengals for sure so they've got some winnable games here at the beginning yeah uh, of the season and, and there's so not I think that really a whole lot of 
scary uh, defenses that you're facing. Okay, Detroit Lions, yeah, they'll have a, a decent defense. Uh, middle of the road, I would say Ravens, middle of the road. They lost a lot of key players uh, this offseason, mostly, and now we got the Mr. Inside Man on that one on that game. So um, we have that one. Carolina Panthers defense, uh, that could be probably the most difficult of – the starting six games Seahawks um, that is here in Arizona. So not in Seattle and then Bengals defense, not scared of that one or the Atlanta Falcons defense. Um, So, and then the giants defense following that. So uh, Arizona could get off to a hot start all of that roundabout way, but Arizona could get off to a hot start. Yeah. And, um, and then it could be too late to try to get any of these pieces by then Travis, but something I want to talk about before we move on from the Arizona Cardinals is my question to you: Is Larry Fitzgerald being overlooked in drafts? And- oh, I I a hundred percent believe he is. I mean, what we're seeing right now. I mean, what's his ADP at the eighth round right now? Yeah, so, and I think it's yeah. So even almost the ninth. I've been snagging him a bunch in mock drafts that we've been doing because the value is just there. Like if we think he's not going to be like. Don't call me crazy because I know he played with Kurt Warner, but like we could be looking at maybe the most talented quarterback he's ever played with. Yeah. Like, um, and and obviously he's a little bit older in his career, but we know the slot receiver feasts in uh, Kingsbury's offense, and if they continue to use him a lot in the slot like they have in his career, he could be looking at a lot of targets. And who better for Kyler and Murray to lean on than the old vet, uh, you know, Larry Fitzgerald? Exactly. And then if you look at what he's done. Larry Fitzgerald has been a has had seven wide receiver two finishes or better in 2017. I'm I'm throwing 2018 out the window because that that was just a terrible year. I'm just we want to forget about that completely. Um, so if you look at 2017, he had seven wide receiver two finishes, and five of those games he was a wide receiver one. Right. So if you look at those five games where he was a wide receiver one in 2017. Four of those games, he was a wide receiver five for the week or better. So he is giving you tremendous upside there. And then if you look even further than that, three out of the last four years, he has finished as a wide rec- a true wide receiver one, uh, you know, top 12 throughout the last four years. So to me, I think where he is going in, ba- in drafts and redraft leagues, people are just writing him off automatically because we're you know enamored with uh other players on this other wide receivers other players specifically on this offense that Fitzgerald is starting to fall and I'm willing to take advantage of that yeah he's one of those players you know like a Deshaun Jackson or even an Alshon Jeffrey that continues to be a little bit disrespected and falls down in the ranks some of these older uh wide receivers that you're like you can get good value on and like we know statistically rookie wide receivers don't do too well in that first year. And so it may take a little while for them to get going with, uh, you know, with the young guy, Kyler Murray. And so I like Larry Fitzgerald as, as much as anybody in the eighth round for sure. All right. So our final team from the NFC West, Johnny, is the Seattle Seahawks. Last year, they were just a juggernaut running the football. And so we. My big question here, Johnny, is like, how much is that going to stay the same? Should we see, should we expect to see some more positive regression in them throwing the football a little bit more this year? 
Um, that that's kind of my big question on, on how it's going to work out. The rushing attempts last year, Seattle 534, that was second in the NFL. And then if you look at their passing attempts, I mean, they were dead last, 427. Uh, Tennessee Titans, Miami Dolphins, the Arizona Cardinals, the Buffalo Bills, all these teams threw more than the Seattle Seahawks last year. And yet, you know, we got things like Russell Wilson shattering his career touchdown rate with Tyler Lockett catching 10 touchdowns. Buying like all the odds. Yeah, I just, I don't, I see... I don't like Russell Wilson as much this year. I think they're going to continue to run uh, a lot, but I just don't see him being that low in volume. How, how about you? Yeah, I don't. I don't think that this year they will be similar to. I mean, they're going to run the ball a lot. We we know that, but I do think that they will tend to pass a little bit more than they did last year because let's face it, they just paid Russell Wilson, and they're not. I mean, was that extended last year? Yeah, it was, but. I think that they didn't necessarily have the pieces to throw as much as they wanted to last year. They had Tyler Lockett, and that was essentially it. Um, they had you know, David Moore, which I, I do like David Moore coming into this year. I think he's you know evolved a little bit more. But And then they draft DK Metcalf. And so I think his options now around, and they also, you know, his tight end went out early in the season too. So he didn't have... A lot of weapons where if they were to throw the ball, they could be confident that they were going to gain yards as well as they were super confident if they ran the ball, they were going to get positive yards because that offensive line is really good at run blocking. And so this year, I do expect them to run or to pass more because they do now have the pieces and people are healthy right now. So. I, I do see a step forward for Russell Wilson. However, this doesn't mean that I'm uh, so high on his passing options this year that I'm upgrading him at quarterback. I still have him way d- down deep in my quarterback rankings. Deep. Deep in my quarterback in the rankings. Uh, you know, I've been telling people stay away from him in redraft leagues uh, because his, his value is just not there this year compared to other guys. And... So for me, so what does that mean for you for the pass catchers? Are are you looking at a guy like DK Metcalf? Are you looking at David Moore? What do you? How do you feel about Tyler Lockett? Because it's not likely that multiple of these guys are going to be somebody, right? So like, is it going to be something similar to Jacksonville in the past where we're trading off these guys every week? Like, is it a cycle? I I think that you'll see that with David Moore and DK Metcalf. I I think that Tyler Lockett will be the consistent wide receiver in this offense, and that's why I'm okay with where his value is. I would like him to drop a little bit more uh, in order for me to feel really confident and pick. Like I would like him more as my flex wide receiver as opposed to like my wide receiver two, which he's currently yeah. would be slated for if uh, according to his ADP, but you know. David uh, DK Metcalf and I think David Moore both are going to be nice receivers, but it is going to be you know which week do I end up starting him? It'll it'll definitely go with matchups and and things like that uh, to determine which is the better play on those days. Uh, but the only wide receiver in this group that I think will be consistent will be Tyler Lockett. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I think Metcalf is maybe a year or two away from being a consistent weapon in this offense, but. Wouldn't be surprised to see him rattle off six, seven touchdowns this year. I just don't know oh, if you're going to be able to bank on which one, which week it's going to be. Right, hundred percent, absolutely. And I and I could definitely see them using him as 
a like a tight end option. Um, so there's that. Yeah, you could definitely see that, and it'll be a red zone guy, and we're just a couple years removed from seeing Jimmy Graham gobble up a ton of touchdowns in the red zone for them, so maybe DK's able to do that. All right, Whisper Nation, we want to know what you think about the NFC West. Go ahead and comment below if you're on YouTube. Drop us a line uh, on any of our social media platforms if you're if you're questioning uh, some of these storylines within the NFC West. Johnny, which one of these that we talked about today would you say is probably the most important one you'll be keeping your eye on the most uh, as far as the storylines are concerned? Well, I really am interested in the Rams' wide receivers just because I think there is an opportunity there to really get a guy who can jump out. No matter if it's Cooks, if it's Wood, or Cup, I think that out of the three of them, there is a tier jumper in there. And so I want to be able to grab one of those guys. And I want to try to you know focus on that to pick which one I, I think that has the best odds there. Yeah, and that's interesting you brought that up because in our draft kit, which you can get at thefantasywhispers.com, we have a great write-up on all three of the Rams wide receivers that our sponsor Fanatic did and put in the draft kit at the end of our player profiles. Uh, So you can get that download for only $10 at thefantasywhispers.com, the entire draft kit, and in there is that article about the NFC West or the uh, Los Angeles Rams wide receivers. So head on over to thefantasywhispers.com. For uh, this time, I'm Big Travi. That's Johnny Game Time Hicks, and we are the Fantasy Whispers, and we're out. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whispers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whispers.